Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Midweek in the Word. Uh, my name is Jared Erke and I'm your surrogate podcast host for this week. And I'm also the technical coordinator here at Faith Bible Church. Um, this week I'm joined, as I often am, by a familiar voice to many of you, the man who normally hosts this podcast, Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hey Brad, it's it's great to sit down and chat with you today. Yeah, it's good to be back here again. Uh, missing Tom a little bit for a second week, but uh, looking forward to having him back again next week. Um, If you happen to be new to the podcast or to the church, Faith Bible Church has been taking an epic journey through the entire Bible this year. We're calling the sermon series Route 66, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation. Every sign points to Jesus, and along the way we have been learning about the qualities and characteristics of God, learning more about who we are as His created mankind, and seeing how the whole of Scripture ultimately points us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And last week we completed our study of the Old Testament as Pastor Brad preached on the rebuking prophet Malachi. So Brad, first of all, thank you so much for your sermon last week and on Malachi. And what what did last week's message show us about our Father in heaven? Well, thank you. I it was it was a challenging one to read. It was a challenging one to preach on, but I've appreciated the feedback I've gotten from the body on it. It sounds like God is at work, you know, even through the challenging book of Malachi in the Old Testament. Um, as far as what we learned about God, I, the, the real challenge that I found from the book was the people were accusing God of being unfaithful and being unfair, being unloving, uh, especially in that idea of being unfaithful to his covenant to them. He wasn't responding in the way they wanted him to. So their accusation was, you're unfair, you're unfaithful, God. Um, and the whole book... Um, flips the script a bit on them. And in spite of their accusations, it it proves that God is faithful, that God is fair. Um, And in fact, it was the people that were being being unfaithful. And so I think we were just reminded that God is faithful, um, both to his promises and to his judgment when he said he's going to bring judgment. And we saw that idea of the day of the Lord. Um, That's also a reality in God's faithfulness. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so what did what did it reveal about man for us? <laughs> you know, it's, I it's, guess you already touched on that <laughs> a little, little bit, a little bit there. Yeah, the, the faithlessness of man uh, came up for sure. Uh, but just kind of in that theme that, that that we've touched on so many times in the Old Testament, um, all of these characters are just like their father Adam. You know, they're just just as rebellious, and and maybe specifically in, in the book of Malachi, they're just as quick to to sh- shift the blame. You know, in in Genesis three, uh, when God comes to Adam and says, "What have you done?" He goes, "Well, it's it's my wife's fault, and oh by the way, it's your fault, God, because you gave me this woman to begin with." You know, as as just a a little tag on, and and the people of Israel are very much the same way. You know, they knew the terms of the covenant, they knew the blessings and the curses, um, and their rebellion, the natural repercussions, what God said would happen, was happening. But they looked at God and they said, "God, it's your fault. You're not holding up your end of the bargain," which was totally out of line. Um, but we're all similar to our to our father Adam that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> like, I resemble that remark. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's true. Um, so how, how did this point us to Christ? Um, yeah, that's, 
you know, that was it. And I, I just love that it's the last book and it's the last statement that you hear in the Old Testament before, you know, the, the cry of, of Christ, the Messiah breaks onto the scene in the New Testament. And, and I think it was just a good reminder that that final image of, of the courtroom, that the, the message and the book of Malachi left me with, that, that Christ is not only the divine judge, you know, sovereign over creation, sovereign over us, um, but he also is going to come to resolve the issue in the people's hearts um, by being the sacrifice for that that wrath to receive the punishment um, that he delivered. Again, you know, I, I talked about it in the message, uh, Romans three, that God might re- reveal Himself as both just the righteous judge and justifier, the one who can bring bring righteousness to a people that don't deserve it. Um, all wrapped up in the person and work of Christ. So I thought it was I thought it was a good a good picture and and a good way to anticipate where things were going in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially uh, the the picture of the courtroom I think was very mm. very effective. Yeah, yeah, I, that so, one just kept coming mm-hmm. at me as I was reading through it and reading through it. I was like, why are they fighting with God? <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, our pride and our arrogance. Mm-hmm. We want to put God on trial. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you again for your message. Um, And again, as most of you are aware, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament and wraps up the Bible's story until Christ comes on the scene 400 years later. And so it seemed like an appropriate time to break from our focus on how to read the Bible and walk through a bit of a refresher on what we've seen so far. So, Brad, since some of our listeners have been with us throughout our study, but some have likely joined somewhere in the middle, um, what have been the major milestones and characters in the biblical story so far? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was involved in writing this question, and yet it's still an intimidating one uh, to try and handle all these books in the Old Testament, uh, you know, nine months worth of preaching sermons, and we're going to try to sum it up a bit uh, for people. So let let me just follow the storyline of what we see in the text. Uh, The Bible starts out with with kind of a season of creation creation and recreation. We, we run into God creating all of creation, God creating mankind in his image uh, to display his glory in the world. And so we run into Adam and Eve. Um, obviously, the fall is a major milestone. Adam and Eve rebel against God. They go their own way. And from that point on, things just continue to descend. People get worse and worse, and we read, and you know, everyone was, was rebelling against God. The intention of man's heart was continually wicked. And we find ourselves in the days of Noah. Um, so, so God starts over. A flood wipes out all of humanity except for Noah, who finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and so he chooses Noah kind of like a second Adam to start over. And this, this, these pictures of the floodwaters, um, almost like a grave and a restart to the world. Um, and yet very, very quickly, even with Noah... He, he does the exact same thing his, his father, you know, Adam did. And so, and so even in this recreated world, sin is right there. Uh, from there, we move into the patriarchs, and we kind of shift a little bit from this broad scale in Genesis to specifically this one family. And so we see Abraham, we see Isaac, we see Jacob. Ultimately, we see Joseph and Judah, you know, some of those characters, those sons of Jacob. And we see God calling out a specific people and zooming on on this one family. Um, and how he's faithful to carry his promise forward. Uh, From Abraham giving him the son Isaac, um, Isaac having two sons and God choosing Jacob rather than Esau, which came up in in the message on Malachi. It comes up again in the New Testament. Um, And then ultimately Joseph being worked through sovereignly to save his people. And the Israelites find themselves down in Egypt 
the, the, the Pharaoh forgets what Joseph has done for them, and ultimately they are enslaved by the Egyptians. That leads us into the rest of the Old Testament Pentateuch, you know, the law. And uh, we see the rising up of Moses for the exodus and the conquest. Uh, so Moses is raised up to, to bring God's people out of slavery. Uh, God sends these judgments, pours out these judgments on, on the, the nation of Egypt and frees his people. Um, and so then we run into these kind of this twofold leadership. We've got the character of Moses leading the people of Israel, and we've got the character of Aaron raised up as the first priest to help, help navigate this relationship between God and his people. Um, so that, that moves forward. We get the, temp, the, the creation of the tabernacle, the place where God will, will dwell among his people. And then they turn those reins over to a new leader, Joshua, and the Levites in general as the priests as they move into the land. And then we get the judges, which is kind of a messed up period of time where the Israelites are still trying to take over the land that God has promised to them. Um, until finally we see the kingdom established and we see a united kingdom. The prophet Samuel comes on the scene as the last judge and the, and the prophet, and he, he's given the task of anointing the first king to establish the monarchy in Israel. It's a new thing for them. So we have Saul, who's a really, really poor king and ultimately loses his kingship. Um, then we see the second ruler, David, raised up by, uh, by Samuel, by God's divine appointment. And David is really the one that solidifies the kingdom in the nation. And so we have this strong monarchy, um, this strong kingly reign with, so you've got, you've got uh, David as the king, you've got the priests of the Levites operating. Um, the temple's not built yet. They're still operating with the tabernacle. Um, and then you've got prophets on the scene as well. Um, and then that transitions to Solomon. David's son. Solomon constructs the temple, which you'd think is finally the realization of all these promises to Abraham. They're in the land. They're worshiping God. The temple's been built. Maybe things have arrived for the Israelites. Um, and unfortunately, Solomon trips up spectacularly, uh, fails in his leadership, uh, divides the kingdom into the northern tribes of of Israel and the southern tribes of Judah. And that moves us into what's called the divided kingdom period. The northern tribes of Israel have no good kings. There's 19 bad kings, of which Ahab would be a familiar one uh, to us, where Elijah comes on the scene, as most are familiar with his character. And ultimately, they fall to the nation of Assyria. Uh, the southern two tribes of Judah last a little bit longer. They've got some good kings, some bad kings, kind of go back and forth. Some noteworthy ones are you know, Hezekiah and Josiah that we preached on over the last few months. So the southern kings of Judah kind of waffle back and forth, but ultimately they rebel against God and they fall to Babylon as well. And, and the divided kingdom ends. Israel has is, is been defeated. And we move into the period of the exile. And you see prophets like Daniel and Ezekiel rising up. We're familiar with the story of Daniel in Babylon, you know, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and Daniel, and, and the lion's den, and, you know, and some of these stories that a lot of us are familiar with, all waiting this 70-year period while Israel is being judged by God, being disciplined by God, because God is trying to draw his people back to himself for their rebellion. Um, so we run into some of those characters. And then finally, we hit the period where they're coming back to the land. You know, Tom preached on Ezra. He preached on Nehemiah. We've got the story of Esther that we talked about. And the people return back to the land. Uh, they rebuild the temple. They rebuild the walls. They reestablish worship. Um, but they've still got a lot of issues. And the prophets like Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi, 
speak into the issues they have even after they've returned to the land. And so the problem is through all of these seasons, we keep seeing the people rebelling against God. So God interacts with them in different ways. He sends prophets, he sings priests, he, he raises up kings, uh, he sends them into exile to get their attention, he brings them back, he rebuilds their temple, he rebuilds the walls. Um, all trying to get this people's attention, <laughs> trying to uh, trying to figure out what's going on. So the, the, that's kind of that's kind of the flow of the whole Old Testament. In I don't know five minutes or what that whatever that was, um, seeing these high points and as things move forward. Mm-hmm. I, the one thing that just popped into my head as you're as you're walking through this is just the fact that this is real history. Yeah. Like, I mean, does, do you think about that as you're studying yeah. this? Like, this is real history. It's not just fables yeah. and tales, as some people like to say it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good, um, really good reminder. It's not there just as as a moralism storytelling. It, it really is the way things transpired in the history of the world, um, but written in a way uh, that's uniquely poignant. Uh, for the condition of man's heart and 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 the character of God, uh, but yeah, it it is striking. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that you know Moses was a guy that really walked on this earth, you know. And uh, one of the things that people will make mention is when they get an opportunity to visit Israel, uh, which I would love to someday. I get the opportunity to do that. Um, standing where some of these historical sites are that the Bible talks about really solidifies that reminder in their minds. So yeah, that's that's a really good comment, mm-hmm. you know, for okay. sure. Yeah. So what have been some of the, you kind of talked about this a little bit, what have been some of the interesting themes, images, motifs that we have seen repeatedly in the text? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so many, it's, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around what to share and what not to share. Um, but one of the big ones would be kind of this, this place of God's people. You know, it starts out in the garden, which because of their sin, they're exiled from. Um, it kind of moves forward to this this promised land that God is going to move his people into, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is kind of this reminder uh, of, of the garden. Um, the, some of that imagery is even taken up in, in the building of the tabernacle and ultimately the building of the temple, um, Jerusalem and the Zion theme. All of those kind of build into this idea um, that the garden was the place where God would walk among and talk to his people. And that was lost in Genesis 3. And so there's all these other portraits of God dwelling among his people um, and, and anticipating that. And we see that in, like I said, the temple and the ta- tabernacle and a lot of things. There's also, you know, the, the negative opposite a bit in Babylon. And we talked about that theme in a podcast and, and these big themes of God's judgment and, and the day of the Lord, this day when God will come um, in, in righteous wrath and, and settle the record. Um, and, you know, so we get Babylon and we get Sodom and Gomorrah and we get a whole lot of other places that are kind of tied into that idea. Um, the one that's absolutely undeniable that you have to talk about as you move through the Old Testament is the theme of sacrifice and atonement. You know, you go back to, to Genesis 3 and God closed them with the skin from an animal. There's a first death in paradise and it begins leading us that direction. You know, you've got, you know, got the, whole, the whole idea of Isaac and God calling Abraham to offer his son and then providing a ram, providing a substitute. Um, in Moses, the idea of the lamb being sacrificed and the blood being put over the doors as, as payment for and protection for that family. You know, and it picked up in the sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament, all of these animals and all the law, you know, and all the Old Testament books speaking to 
um, animals being sacrificed to cover over the sins of God's people. Um, huge theme, huge theme that ultimately we're going to hit the New Testament and is going to culminate in the personal work of Christ, um, but major, major theme that just comes up again and again and again in the Old Testament. Um, and then I've already spoken to it a little bit, but those those three leadership human roles, um, the, the idea of prophets, priests, and kings, those three aspects coming up again and again and again, and the way they're meant to be intermediaries between God's people and God. Um, again, trajectory <laughs> moving forward uh, to the person and work of Christ as well. But yeah, big themes, those big concepts that that both kind of build in an understanding of God and his people and also let us know something's coming. You know, we talked about typology in one of the podcasts. Something's coming. Um, the whole Old Testament is just kind of moving. You can feel it picking up speed as it moves towards the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And we've also covered a lot of interpretive ground so far on the podcast. Um, could you give us a review on some of the major interpretive principles we've discussed since January? Yeah, that's that's a good one. Hopefully, people will remember some of these if they've been with us for the whole podcast. If not, they can go back and actually find the individual episodes on our website or on the podcast feed. Um, but we started off uh, by introducing the whole methodology of coma. You know, the the four steps to biblical interpretation: context, observation, meaning, application. How do we move from what was written to them then uh, to what's the important significance to us now? And so, coma is a big one, and Tom references that nearly every <laughs> every week on the podcast. There's other other three, four step approaches, but all of them kind of break down to. What's the context? What are we seeing? What are we observing? What are we interpreting that? And then how do we apply that? Similar similar steps. Uh, we took three episodes to talk about context, and we said context, context, context. We've come back to that a whole lot. We talked about historical context and cultural context. What was going on for the people is critical in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Um, so those were big, you know, literary context. How do we remember not to pull verses out of out of their context and read them by themselves without remembering what was written around them, what was being told in the story, um, especially the story of the book, but the story of the whole Bible as well. Um, and then lastly speaking, we've, we've really spent a lot of time on the different genres or the different literary styles, the different types of literature that we see in the Bible. So we've talked about um, genealogies, which we hit one of those right off the bat in the Bible, and there's a lot of them in the Old Testament. Why are those significant and how do we look at them? We talked about narrative, the storytelling of the Bible and how to interpret that. We talked about poetry. You know, we got all the Psalms um, and a whole bunch of other places that they're songs and they're poems. How do we interpret that side of literature? Uh, the law, which intimidates us a little bit. Uh, we touched on that and how to interpret uh, law passages, wisdom literature and Ecclesiastes and you know Proverbs and a whole lot of places and how to approach those. Um, and then in the last, last little bit, obviously, we've got all the, the prophetic books, uh, which you see prophetic language not only in those major and minor prophets, but elsewhere in the Bible as well. And so I'd say those, ge- those genres, you know, remembering to read the text the way the text was intended to be read um, has been a major, major theme. And so if you're, if you're finding yourself in any of those books and you're trying to remember what we talked about, feel free to go back and grab them. And also the, the, you know, the Bible Project videos on those different genres has been really, really helpful uh, to me, hopefully to our listeners as well. But we've, we've covered a whole lot of ground, and that's only a little bit of, of what we've talked about so far. Um, but hopefully it's a good refresher for the, for the listeners. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously, we've continued to put all of our reading through Tom's basic questions. You mentioned them, the coma questions. And the coma, was, was that Tom's creation? The coma? Like, did he kind of come up with that oh, That's on his a own? good question. I don't know if that was something he ran into at some point or if that was something he came up with. Uh, we'll have to ask him next week when well, he's on we'll the podcast. Him, did, did you come up with that based on the state of your the people in your church when you were preaching to them? <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> no. That's always his joke, right? Yeah, you know, right, and I, yeah. Those that have known Tom for a while would come back to that for sure. Yeah, but no, going to his coma method. So what have we learned about God so far in the Old Testament? Yeah, that's that's good. I, I um, there's a lot of a lot of big things relate to some of those the story trajectory stuff that we were talking about. Uh, the first one I would say is you know, right off the bat in Genesis, we, we see both the pre existence and sovereignty of God. That there is a God that exists outside of creation, uh, existed before anything was <laughs> was created, and and as such, everything He's created, He is sovereign over, both the way the world works, and the people that He's put in the world, and so God's sovereignty has come up again and again. Uh, we've also seen um, from right off the bat God's justice and righteousness, and that came up, you know, end of the book Malachi or end of the Old Testament Malachi. It's a huge theme. Beginning of the book with um, God's judgment on Adam and Eve, and then Noah, and then again and again and again and again, we see God's judgment and God's righteousness. Uh, that we don't serve a God that's arbitrary. You know, He is he is a moral God. There is right and there is wrong. Um, he's the one that gets to define what that is because it comes from his character. Um, and so we're, we continually run into that idea. Um, God's, God's truth and faithfulness as well. You know, the Old Testament lays out a lot of themes of what God says he will do, he will do. What he promises, he will bring to, to fruition. Uh, what he says is absolute truth. You know, God is the definition of truth. And so everything else is weighed against who he is. Um, and then lastly, you can't go through the Old Testament. And I know some people have a tendency to think Old Testament God of wrath, New Testament God of love and mercy. You know, the God of the Old Testament was always smiting people. And Jesus is this real cuddly kind of character in the New Testament. And, and we just don't see that. We see righteousness and justice both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I mean, Jesus talks about hell a lot in the New, in the New Testament. Um, but we also see in the Old Testament a tremendous amount of mercy and love. We see a God who is merciful. We see a God who is forbearing and long-suffering, and he puts up with these people for hundreds and hundreds of years as they rebel against him. Um, and so it's, it's undeniable walking through the Old Testament. You just can't avoid God's incredible mercy and love for his people. Mm-hmm. And what have we learned about mankind in the Old Testament? Well, yeah, this is going to become a repetitive theme, you know, <laughs> that we keep running into. Yeah. <laughs> the first one is we've got to remember what mankind was created for. The Old Testament lays out that mankind was created in the image of God. And everything else that follows after that is whether or not mankind is conforming to what they were created to do. Mankind was created to be in relationship with God, and we were created to glorify God, to image him, you know, that literal idea to be like his representatives on this world. And so everything else that follows in the Old Testament comes back to is mankind fulfilling their role. Are they living in submission to the God who created them? Are they glorifying him? Are they imaging him? or representing him faithfully in the world. Um, but all that comes back to the image bearers, you know, our purpose as humans. And the Old Testament lays that out. Um, also, we, we get reminded that we don't image his image per- perfectly. Ever since Adam and Eve fell, uh, we are totally sinful and rebellious. 
You know, every thought of the man's heart was rebellion, you know, is the idea. And then you get into judges and you hear the theme of every man did what was right in his own eyes, you know, and you get all the way through the prophets and saying, you're all doing whatever you want to do. You don't care about what God has in store for you. And, and you can't, you can't miss this idea. The Old Testament lays out that man, um, in all sorts of different scenarios in all sorts of different environments, always sinful and rebellious, even when they're part of the covenant community that God has established in Israel, uh, still sinful and rebellious and, and very forgetful, you know, <laughs> quick to forget God's faithfulness, quick to forget what God has done for them, um, really having a what have you done late for, lately for me sort of mindset um, and having to be continually reminded again and again and again of both who God is and his expectations on his people. Mm-hmm. Giving us stu- you're giving us stuff to think about here, <laughs> well, Pastor Brad. I, again, like I said, you know, months of studying. Hopefully, this is just a refresher for people. Because if this is all new, then we're we're, we're probably biting off you know a little bit too bit of a bite. So yeah, no, this is great. Um, well, and I I think you've already touched on this, but mm. how has all of this, everything that we have we've discussed, everything that we've looked at in the Old Testament, how has that anticipated and pointed us? To I can't even talk. How does? How has that? I, we can restart that. <laughs> okay, that's fine with me. How has that anticipated and pointed us to Christ? I know you've kind of touched on that already. Yeah, um, and and there are so many examples. You know, as Tom's gone through each of his messages, going saying, "How is this looking forward to Christ? How are we?" And so there's all these small things in Scripture that you can note. All of these small images that remind you of where things are going. Um, and then there's also some really big ones, like that I've already talked about, the, the prophet, priest, and king idea um, that God has, God in the Old Testament has put these, these leaders in place in different functions, you know, the king to rule over the nation um, and the, the priests to offer sacrifices on the part of the people, uh, the prophets to speak the word of the Lord to his people. Um, and every single one of them is perfectly and fully fulfilled in Christ. You know, Christ as perfectly imaging God. Everything that, that God's or that Jesus said is directly from God. You know, on the, the, the idea of the priest being that or the prophet being that word. He, you know, he didn't even have to say, <laughs> like the rabbis of his day, he didn't even have to say, somebody else says this. He would just say, truly, truly, I say to you. That word directly from the Lord, fulfilling that idea. The, the priests of being that intermediary offering sacrifices. Uh, well, Christ was personally the perfect sacrifice. He was that lamb. Um, and so fulfilling that role. Um, and, and you even think of how, the, how the, the, the temple curtain is torn in two and access to the Holy Spirit is granted through Christ. Uh, that priestly role perfectly fulfilled in Christ. Uh, the king idea, which comes back in the day of the Lord. You know, Christ is going to come. He is the ruler. When, when, he, when he finishes his work and ascends to heaven, he sits down at the right hand of the Father, and he has all dominion and all authority, um, not only over the people of God, but over everything. You know? And so Christ really fulfills all of those roles, the perfect prof- prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king, the perfect mediator. You know, there is one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. Um, kind of idea, all of that summed up in Jesus, and then those those themes of sacrifice and lamb. You know, those those Old Testament themes, all all really pointing again and again. We keep running into that idea of a sacrifice being needed, blood being needed um, for the forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament, and and all of that is just looking forward to the one sacrifice. You know, formerly God overlooked sins. You know, as Romans would put it. Um, 
but all of that is perfectly fulfilled in the person and work of Christ as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole Old Testament is pointing that way. Mm-hmm. Well, we are really looking forward to jumping over into the New Testament. We're, we're not going to take a 400-year break <laughs> before we start there. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump right into it next week. Um, we just Before we, we talk about that, we just want to thank you all for listening so much. We just appreciate you guys. I mean, this podcast doesn't exist if we don't have people listening to it, so thank you again so much. If it's been a blessing to you, please share it with someone you think might benefit from it. And uh, just thanks again for being along with us on this journey, especially if you've been along with us from day one. Exactly. <laughs> Next week will be episode 40, I think, so we've, wow. been, we've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. Um, so this coming Sunday, we are jumping into the... The New Testament. We're going to have a guest preacher, um, mm-hmm. Nat Crawford, who is Back to the Bible's Vice President of v- Biblical Content, will be here preaching on Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we've had Nat here before, and he does a great job, and we're, and we're going to have him on the podcast as well. Yeah, really looking forward to that conversation as well. Yeah, and so Brad will be back in the quarterback's chair interviewing him, Lord willing, <laughs> and uh, we're really looking forward to that. And so uh, that's, at, that's it for this week. We just uh, thank you again all for being here. Um, If you're following along in our weekly reading for next week, go ahead and please read Luke chapter 1. Um, we would, As always, we'd love to hear from you with questions as you read along. Um, as the church leadership team, as, as always, we'll be praying for you as you study and um, read this week. And we hope you'll join us again here next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.